Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to episode 52 of the Financially Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast to educate you on all things financial. I'm your co-host, Adam Henning marketing professional and small business owner, and I'm joined with co-host Tanner Bortnam, certified financial planner, JD, and industry expert. Something that we haven't done in all 52 episodes is a quick plug for our sponsor, Harmony Wealth. Harmony Wealth is a a privately owned, independent fee-only wealth management firm that specializes in financial planning and investment management. Bringing an extremely personalized and comprehensive approach is what Harmony Wealth is predicated upon. To learn more about Harmony Wealth, and how they tailor a financial plan to best suit your unique financial behaviors and goals, visit HarmonyWealthAZ, as in Arizona.com. And that's a nice transition into uh, today's episode, which is um, obviously, if you haven't uh, figured that out yet, Harmony Wealth is Tanner's um, firm, his privately owned firm, um, wealth management firm. Um, and we're going to today talk about um, how to know your vi- advisor's value or the value that a firm such as Harmony Wealth would bring to you, the individual. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of a illustration. So if you're a loyal listener on Spotify or any other podcast platform, we invite you to hop on over to YouTube um, and check out a, a couple of a graphic that we're going to display that um, shows a little bit of fun, fun with numbers. That's right. So with that, welcome Tanner. Hey, what's up, Adam? Good first plug. This whole time. I have just waiting, (laughs) just waiting. Um, Just another thing before we hop in, um, We'll probably call back to an earlier episode of our podcast, episode three, um, which is titled Top Five Things to Look For in a Financial Advisor. So, um, you know, it'd be good if you you hop back to episode three, um, check that out, and then come listen to this. But um, we'll try our best to to kind of recap and, and give you the five things so you don't have to do that. But we would appreciate the additional listen, I suppose. Uh, but... With that, do we just want to hop in and, and share this beautiful graphic? Um, actually, because I know you have them written down, why don't you just go over just real briefly what those five things were from episode three? Because we're we're drilling down on a couple of them, more detail sure. on a couple. Uh, starting with five going to one was um, check to see if your advisor is a salesperson. Um, kind of follow the flow of money um, and how they get paid. Uh, number two or number four, do they financial plan? Number three is what's their education expertise? Uh, two, are they a fiduciary? And the most important one, are they fee only? Yep. Yep. So all five of those things are important. Um, 
And so what we'll be kind of chatting about on this one is how to, um, and again, if, if happy to have anybody jump back and listen to that one, get a lot more detail on each of those five individually. But this one is specifically going to be hitting on, you know, if does your advisor do financial planning? It's kind of drilling down on that um, financial planning. And then the, what was the first one? Well, the fifth one or whatever you said. Salesperson. Oh, salesperson versus an advisor, right? Again, advisors do more financial planning. They're there advising you, giving you advice on numerous things throughout life, not just selling you an investment, getting a commission. So we're really, what we're going to be going over today kind of impacts uh, those two. And I was super excited when I first saw this because I, you know, obviously I always admit this, I'm biased. I'm in the industry. I get paid by my clients to do what I do. Um, I think that I provide a good value. I know there are other advisors out there that provide good value to their clients as well. But I never had seen the like the actual data, you know, something with some hard numbers to give people. It's always just been like, well, you know, the, the best one I had uh, before this was Vanguard came out of the study, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. It said, if you work with an average advisor, you should expect to get two to three percent more per year in returns than trying to do it yourself if you're an average investor, right? So average investor, average advisor, the working with an advisor should get you two to three percent more per year. But that's just going from people deciding do they want to even work with an advisor or or do it on their own. Now, how do you tell the difference between all of the advisors? Because right, it's just you're in marketing. Every advisor is going to tell you that they're better than the next one, right? I mean, we we all do it. Now, how do you as the listener try to differentiate some of that? And we, you know, I tried my best to really give some good data and some good, you know, examples and things to look for in that episode three. But today we're going to be going over some of the actual data that has been, um, it's a combination of studies. So, there is Vanguard, Morningstar, Smartleaf, uh, Investnet, Russell, Marsden. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, there's, let's see, two, three, four, five. There's at least 12 different companies that have done research on any one of these, and it's an average of those. So let's jump into that and let's just throw this graph up and kind of just start walking through it. So the first one here, and, and again, if you're listening to us on podcast, I, I, I'm going to do my best. But for those on YouTube, obviously, you're going to be able to see this graph. So just hop over to YouTube for this one and so that you can see this while we walk along through it. So what this graph is, and we'll break down each of these a little bit more into it, but I kind of want to just give the overall, um, you know, the overall what the graph signifies and what the graph is. Um, and so the kind of, you know, the, the full part of that graph, there is the, the minimum and the maximum. So these, these different studies came up with different average returns. And so, you know, the bottom, like this first one behavior, the bottom study was at 1.5, roughly the top study was at four and the average of all of them sits somewhere around, you know, two point, let's call it 2.75, probably a little bit higher than that. Now, what these are showing is this is average 
additional return to your net worth that you can expect, you know, on a year over year basis. So it's just an average. But the key here is, is this should help people find, now it's not, you know, it's not an end all be all, but this hopefully helps weed out some advisors when you're out there looking to try to find your next advisor. Or even if you're working with an advisor, ask yourself, does my advisor do these things? And if you're not, you're missing out on these expected returns. So, so zero, zero yeah, is ahead. just the average advisor or no advisor? Uh, zero would be no advisor. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah. So what it is, is like this first one, right? Behavior. So if your advice, and I'll, I'll get into more detail of this, but if your advisor does this, then you fall somewhere in this line of, you know, one and a half percent to 4%. We're just going to go through the averages as we, um, go through each of them. And if your advisor does not do it, well, it's zero then, right? Because it's as if you're doing it yourself. So it's a zero. So it's kind of a, yeah, is your advisor doing it or not doing it? And if it, they're not, there's zero added benefit because they're not doing whatever said thing is. So we've teased it. This first one, behavior. That's a financial plan. This shouldn't shock our loyal listeners because I think it's most, if not every episode, I somehow find a way to talk about having a financial plan and why it's so important. And this is finally the data showing that. It is by far the most important thing for your, someone to have is a financial plan. And that's lumped into this behavior. You know, there are times where we need, you know, to be able to talk through situations. There are times that we need uh, coaching. There are times that we need to be told, hey, you know, 2007, 2008, people need to be told, don't sell at the bottom. This is the worst time to sell. You got to just stick your head in the sand and ignore it. Things will be okay down the road. All of that gets wrapped into this behavior, but the biggest component is the financial plan because your financial plan encapsulates all of that. And having a financial plan adds, again, I think it's a little bit higher, but let's call it an average of 2.75% per year to your net worth throughout your life. Now, again, just to clarify this, this doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get 2.75 higher returns on your investments because, again, your investments are one piece of your entire financial plan. There's more components to your overall net worth. If you pay less in taxes because you have a great financial plan, that's a return to you on your net worth it's not a return on your investments that you get to see. And so that's where you know, we have to look at this from a totality standpoint of your entire life and all of your finances. But that first one, biggest, biggest thing, have a financial plan and a comprehensive financial plan at that. Not a financial plan that only talks about your investments and what investments should be. That's not a financial plan. That's an investment proposal. Financial plan is everything. It's income, insurance, investments, retirement planning, estate planning, and tax planning, and education planning too, if you have kids. If it does not cover all of those things and you haven't talked about all of those, it's not a comprehensive financial plan and it doesn't count for this. It's just an investment proposal. What are your thoughts on that one for seeing this graph for the first time? Does that shock you or is that what you'd expect for how much I, I hammer a financial plan all the time? Um, I like that it's 
part of the behavior bucket because I think behavior in addition to the financial plan is something that we hammer almost every episode. And I know just from knowing you, um, that's like I said in the plug, it's predicated upon personalized mm-hmm. and comprehensive approach on the individual, the individual's behavior. And it's not a blanket cookie cutter approach where we can just copy and paste from one client to another and it's taking that personalized approach so that shocks me zero and i'm glad to hear how passionate you are about that (laughs) well good well good so obviously again that's the first one the biggest one to add value to his behavior um it's interesting that the i wouldn't have expected wealth or not wealth um uh financial planning to be fallen under a behavioral category, but, um, yeah. So I actually think, I mean, again, some of these, because not every study is done exactly the same, right? They do their own studies. And so some of these have to get categorized together. Um, but the behavioral side and financial planning, like my clients, right? I have a lot of advisors right now, and especially over the last year and a half, they're like, oh my goodness, like I'm getting calls all the time. Everyone's freaking out. And like, I, I don't. Like, my clients are wonderful. I talk about this all the time. I think part of that is they're wonderful people. So kudos to them. I think the other part of it is we have a financial plan that we know can weather this storm. And anytime that we get worried about something, we just go back to the financial plan and we look at their probability of success and it says, hey, you're still fine. Okay, so there's no need to freak out about something. Like that is behavioral, you know, management, behavioral coaching, behavioral help. It just is in the form of comfort, knowing that we have a plan rather than we're just doing stuff and hoping for the best because that's what you're doing if you don't have a plan, um, you know. We, we always talk about the, the airplane analogy, right? Like if you're, your advisor and, and their team is, is your crew, and if you're getting on this plane and you tell them, I want to fly to New York, if they just start flying, are they going in the right direction? Well, we have no idea. Are they going to fly you into turbulence? Are they going to fly you into a storm? We have no idea because there is no plan. But if you create the plan before you start going, well, you know what you you need to do and you know there might be a thunderstorm that pops up in the way but you can manage your way around that because you've prepared for it rather than just doing stuff like sometimes flapping your wings really fast doesn't make you fly and that's a lot of times what i see with people who come over from other advisors is well it looks like there's a lot of stuff going on and they're rebalancing and they're changing investments all the time and they're doing okay great as you can see on this, I mean, we can jump to the last one. The, the, the least value is rebalancing. So like changing investments all the time while it looks good and it looks like you're doing a lot for your client, yeah, doesn't really add that much value to them. I mean, it does. It adds a little bit. Let's call it to, uh, you know, 0.25%, but it's not as big as the financial plan. So again, we hit it every single episode. I think that's enough for this one. Moving on to the second one is direct indexing. So again, this one's a, there's a couple things in here. Um, we actually haven't done an episode on direct indexing. So to let's do that, throw that out there. We'll do that coming up soon as one. So follow up. Um, but just 
real quickly what direct indexing is, is instead of going out and, and buying uh, an S&P 500 ETF, you go out and buy all 500 of, of the, the shares. Now, again, this is a little limited. If you have $10,000, you can't do that because you can't, there's just not enough money there to be able to buy all 500 of those shares. But you can find versions of direct indexing, you know, just in a smaller um, measure or smaller, you know, grouping, so to speak. You won't be able to get all 500, but maybe you can get 20 of them or whatever. And then you keep trying to grow from there. This one also caveat does not matter for retirement accounts. It matters very much for taxable accounts only. In retirement accounts, it, it doesn't have the value. It's really a ability to tax loss harvest and by, by, they just have more control over the account, over that taxable account. But again, if your advisor is not doing that for you, let's call that one 1.75% that you're missing out on per year as an average. Um, the next one is tax management. We've done a lot of episodes talking about this. Roth conversions, taking funds out of accounts at the right times, not messing up and having too much income that that uh, hits your social security uh, taxes or puts you into a Medicare surcharge. Tons and tons of things. Not, I just was dealing with with one today. Client, previous advisor, bought him an annuity in a regular investment account, and we've talked about this. Hate, hate, hate it. Don't care what the reasoning is behind it. It, and it's performed well. That's the thing. The investment has performed well, but it doesn't matter because you could have gotten similar performance and gotten my client, who are now my clients, capital gains tax versus they're now stuck with all this income. So it's just a nightmare that we're trying to deal with. So tax management too, working with your CPA, those types of things, that adds 1.25% per year. So I would say going through this, and again, I'm in the industry, so I talk with a lot of advisors. I know what the industry as a whole is. Those top first three, I would say are the three that are the most likely that an advisor is not doing. And it's crazy because they're the three that have the most value. If you add those three up, and we haven't even gotten to the rest of this chart, if your advisor is not doing those three things, that's 5.75% per year to your net worth. On average, to your and net that's worth. that's fair to add them. I'm What's that? Yeah. Yeah, because they're all okay. separate things. They're all separate things that add extra value. Yep. Having a financial plan includes tax management, but does not take away the fact that you then executed that Roth conversion at the right time or whatever that tax management tax management may be. So yeah, you add those up. I mean, that that's that's serious. You start compounding of, that. That's years. Right. And again, this isn't even just a, well, to decide whether you should do this or give it to advisor. This is to decide which advisor to go with. If the person that you're working with or the person that you're interviewing does not do those first things, first three things, I would say move on. Like did you need to find another to, person. To anything else? Uh, did they try converting it into to dollars or years or is that hard and that's why they just stick with it? Yeah, percentage? it'd be impossible. And that's why it's a percent. Well, with dollars, you can figure it out. Per, if, per, yeah. Exactly. If yeah. you're if you have ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, you can take five point seven five percent and figure <laughs> out what the value is of that per year. Um, so 
Yeah, and that's why they did it as a, a percentage basis so that it's... an interesting calculator to have. Well, 5.75% of $100,000 is $5,750 a year in extra value that you're not getting. Right. Yep. So, and again, sometimes you, you know, it's not the best to go to the low-cost carrier. Let's go back to airlines, right? You can fly Allegiant Airline and pay for absolutely every extra that you want. You pay for every bag you want to bring on, and if you want to drink some bottled water, and then you know, in a couple of years, they probably will ask you how many times you want to breathe on your trip, and they'll pay you for that. You can have your low-cost carrier, right? Or you can go and fly middle of the road, pick whoever you want for that, or you can fly... You know, private, right? Now a lot of now that's different because that's exceedingly expensive. But you see the different levels of service. The financial industry is the exact same. There are different levels of service, and sometimes going to an advisor that maybe costs an extra ten or twenty basis points per year, but you're gonna get five point seven five back. That's a trade I'd make any day. On like, if you want to say, hey, give me point two. And I'll give you 5.75 back return. Uh, yeah, heck yeah, I'll take that. So really, just find out what your advisor is doing along these line. You know, all, all of these things, and that's the value that you should be getting on average back from them. And that's how you can then decide whether that person is a good fit for you, or whether you want to find someone who does more of these so that you get more value out of you know your retirement. Um, so moving on, the next one is risk alignment. I would say most advisors do this um, to a certain extent. Uh, it's actually a requirement that an advisor gives at least some sort of risk assessment or uh, risk analysis on a basic level. Um, if the risk analysis you received, sometimes called risk tolerance, was like five questions and very, very basic, like, you know, what, or, or it just is asks you what you think your risk tolerance is, Age. probably. Yeah, probably not a lot. You know, if if I just gave you one, Adam, and well, probably isn't fair to you because you've been on this and have learned things, you know, from working with me and different things. But like, if you just at the beginning of of all this, if I would just given you one and said, what's your risk tolerance? And you have five options and it's conservative, moderately conservative, balanced, moderate and aggressive. Like, do you know the difference between any of those? Do most people know that? Probably not. We can assume that obviously aggressive is more aggressive and conservative is more conservative. But beyond that, what does that mean? What does that portfolio look like? How much downside risk is in that? So if it's a really basic one like that, I don't think there's probably a lot of value here. So either the advisor is probably going to be on the lower end of this one, you know, down near maybe half of a percent. If it was more in-depth one, maybe it's pushing up towards the top. But the averages looks like, you know, just under 1% value add there. Um Cash flow optimization, big one for people in retirement. If you're a younger person, probably not as uh, impactful. It's where do you take funds? Um, we, you know, we've talked about it with the different buckets of money, pre-tax, Roth, uh, taxable accounts. So where are you taking the funds and how much and at what times? Again, managing that to help with the taxes as well. Security selection, picking the ETFs. Picking the mutual funds, picking the stocks, picking the whatever that they're going to buy for you, there is value there. The advisor does this for a living. They spend X amount of hours a day going over this and figuring these things out. They should be able to provide 
more value than the average person doing it on their, their own who works their own job for eight hours a day. But that one's about half of a percent. Asset allocation, same thing, breaking it down, how much into bonds, how much into stocks, uh, in, you know, and even further, how much into large cap, small cap, mid cap, value growth, all of those types of things. Mm-hmm. Not a huge value add there. And rebalancing, same thing. Not a huge value for rebalancing the account. It's important to do. I'm not trying to minimize it and say that they shouldn't do these things. Just the value add to you as the client is, is less. Like They need to rebalance the account, but it doesn't add a ton of value to you when they do it. It's just something that needs to be done. Just like you need to make sure that your address is correct You know, once every couple of years on the account. Add zero value to you, but I need to know where my clients live. You know, like things like that. There are just some things you have to do. Don't add as much value. But um, wanted to make sure we went through all of these. But again, just kind of wrapping all that up. The first three are your big, big, big three. And like I said earlier, if your advisor is not helping you and helping you a lot in these areas, and that that's a lot of value to be giving up um, for really nothing, you know, so to speak. Other advisors do it. And we do it here at Harmony Wealth. There are other fee-only advisors. Again, I think that's very important to be fee-only. It's not on this list. Um, But there are other advisors out there that do those three things as well, and they help their clients. Um, You know, my goal is to make sure everyone gets great advice. And obviously, I can't help everyone in the world. So there are other great advisors out there too. Just make sure that they're doing those first three. They're they're the big three. It's proof is in the pudding. That's right. We just served it up. <laughs> well, it's just else cool. you wanna- I was just say, and that's what is just cool. Like I I as I said at the beginning, I've known about this. Other advisors know about this. They know the value, but we've never been able to say, hey, here's other people that have done studies. Not me. I didn't home cook this. These are other companies that did the studies. And this is what they came up with as the average value add if your advisor does these things. So now you can actually, as a client, have some data to work with to see, you know, what's important to you and are you getting that said, you know, area. Makes you feel good. Yep. I don't know. I thought you were going to go on on there. So nope, nope. All right, sir. Um, maybe anything else we might hit on something uh, else that you uh, uncovered at this this conference, maybe in a future episode. But for sure, yeah. the direct indexings will uncover uh, as well. So um, if uh, that's all you have, uh, sir, we'll we'll wrap up this episode and. Uh, um, get uh, the fine listeners on their way alright that sounds good alright we hope this episode has been helpful as always thanks for listening if you haven't yet uh, please like subscribe leave us a review if you have any questions or suggestions for a future episode of the F Sharp podcast shoot us an email at podcast at financially that is podcast at financially for Tanner I'm Adam reminding you until the next episode stay financially sharp This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services.
Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.